the Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Links and Locks podcast. This is Spencer Aguiar, co-host of the Better Golf podcast. And I will be joined by my partner, Nick Brettwish, as the two of us will be filling in for Jason, who is on vacation. As usual on the Best Bets edition of the show, we will be running through the board and providing everyone our favorite plays for this week's Scottish Open. That will include a combination of outrights, matchups, placement bets, and other markets. And it is worth noting that this will be the lone Links and Locks episode for this week over at Action Network. If you're interested in the mathematical breakdown that went into our models and how we handicapped this course from a structural perspective, feel free to tune into our solo podcast over on Twitter at BetterGolfPod. We always try to provide as in-depth of a breakdown as we can for why we have landed on a specific answer, and we hope everyone will check out our show. Jason and company will be back next week for two terrific episodes covering the Open Championship at St. Andrews, but with all the introductions out of the way, do you want to start us off, Nick, with your opening tee shot on hole number one? All right, I could do that. Off the tee at the Scottish Open um, at the Renaissance Club in North Berwick. I did not find a ton of data on the course. I kind of looked at previous winners, previous top placements, and everything like that. Seems like you want to be a bomber. You want to be, obviously, a good ball striker, especially if the weather tends to kick up. It doesn't look like the forecast is that bad now, but anything can happen on the shores of Scotland with 30-mile-an-hour gusts and everything like that coming out of nowhere. I uh, learned from experience when I tried playing golf over there. It was not a fun time to play golf, but it was a beautiful time to just walk around a golf course, I guess. But playing golf wasn't so much uh, so much fun for a highball hitter like me. But off the tee, first play is going to be the Hammer Kid. If you follow me on Twitter, at StixPicks, S-T-I-X-P-I-C-K-S. Mark Leishman, top 40 on points bet is plus 150, and that is going to be my Hammer Kid play of the week. I'm not a big Leishman guy. My model seems to love the course fit with the, you know, the distance uh, off the tee for Mark Leishman is nothing spectacular, but it is above average. But his around the green play and putting is something that I saw a lot of trends in the winners here previously and top finishers previously. I don't need Leishman to win. I do have an outright ticket on him. We'll get into maybe on the uh, the 18th green or something like that. But what are your thoughts on Mark Leishman? I know that the form's not exactly there. He was kind of been missing cuts then he obviously played great at the u.s open with a top 15 finish there the around the green's been great the putting has been very good outside of the travelers where i believe he missed the cut on the number if not too off but what are your thoughts on the longer price of plus 150 for a guy like mark leishman i have mark leishman as a wager that i have myself the one thing i will say is there is volatility around him for a top 40 wager i do think plus 150 is a substantial enough value that you can safely play it and become involved in it I think the preferred option, if you have the chance to do so, and this would be if you have a book that pays ties in full for like a top 20 sort of bet. I think a top 20 plus an outright at 100 to one is probably my preferred way to attack the market with him. Uh, But before I move on into my second player, we talk about this anymore. I'd like you to elaborate a little bit more of why you think distance is something that you like here, because I have heard that throughout this space a lot this week. And That's not something that I necessarily thought in my model or not something that I implemented into my model. So uh, what did you see about distance for why you used it? 
Yeah, I mean, just basically looking at the top finishers in uh, in previous years, all of them gained strokes significantly. With the, I guess they didn't gain strokes off distance. That's not really a stat, but all of them were above average or well above average on the field in distance or four uh, four par fives. I believe all of them are significantly reachable, especially for longer hitters. And then there's one par four that is also reachable. So if the weather stays calm for me, I think it's going to be more of a birdie fest than we're used to seeing. I believe this tournament has had a winner at minus twenty or minus twenty won and then um who won two years ago i should know this i just had it written down but i believe aaron aaron rye won two years when aaron rye won right yep that's when the weather was terrible too and that's kind of when aaron rye came on the scene so and he's a short hitter too so i think it's it's more weather dependent but it's if the course is relatively soft based on you know watering and i believe there's rain early this week but not too much wind or anything like that to dry it out i think the longer hitters really have the advantage here I think that's a fair sentiment to that. And just to elaborate a little bit further, Minwoo Lee won this tournament in 2021 at 18 under. Aaron Rye during that windy iteration that we were talking about at 11 under. And then Bern Wiesberger won here at 22 under in 2019. So, you know, I don't know if there's a ton you can take away from that. Those were inferior field qualities. And as you mentioned, Nick, there is a lack of stat tracker available. So, You don't necessarily know exactly what are coming into the numbers. And I think that's what makes this a very interesting test this week from a handicapping perspective, because there's a lot of different ways that you can run a model, but I will move us into the second hole. And I will start with a long shot inside the top 40 market that I like this week. And that would be Alex Smalley plus 270 on points bet. That is plus 210 on FanDuel. We get this mixed bag of production from Smalley where the good can produce top 40s, but the bad cultivates this string of missed cuts. We don't have to look any further than his past 10 starts where he's provided five of those finishes inside the top 27, but has also missed the weekend five times. Usually that would lead me to believe that a top 20 is the preferred way to target a volatile option like this. It's kind of the same sentiment of what I was saying with Leishman, but with the field being as strong as it is and the price being juiced up to plus 270, there is a ton to like about how Smalley's game sets up for the track. The par five scoring will have to be better than it has been historically, But the reason I believe it will be is relatively simple and straightforward. The two traits that hold him back are around the green and putting. But with these greens being significant in size and the misses either resulting in a bunker or tons of green to work with, I'm not as worried about the prototypical assessment we would typically take when looking at around the green stats. To me, three putt avoidance and sand save percentage will go a long way when handicapping this slow fescue surface. And those are two areas where he receives a massive jump in production in my model, ranking 42nd in the field in my reweighted three putt plus slow greens category and 30th in sand save percentage. You know, Nick, I'm sure you are getting sick of hearing me talk about Smalley every single week that we do a show together. But any thoughts on the play? And uh, after you get into that, move us into your third hole. No, I'm in for Smalley. I think, like you said, the avoidance of three putts, that's kind of something that I was thinking about too when running this is I did weight around the green pretty strongly, but I usually do because I like just overall good golfers tee to green. But Smalley came in the, the top 20 at the John Deere Classic. I know that's not much of a, uh, a tip of the cap to a guy that we seem to bet every single week, but he did cash a ticket for me last week in the top 40 market. So I'm all about going back to the well on a guy that's relatively in good form. Like you said, it's either going to be a top 20 finish or miss a cut. The only thing that worries me about Smalley is the putter, but he is good inside, you know, the, the lack of three putts. So I think he could hang around if he strikes the ball well this week. And he does get a massive improvement when we look specifically at slow greens. I, I think that's something that's going to play a big factor this week. Definitely. All right. 
Hole three. I will go with Sunjay M, even money on FanDuel to finish top 40. I believe that number is moving. I saw it now at minus 110. My miles got it down to minus 140. So even at the minus 110, there is that 30 point threshold of value that I'm looking for. He hasn't teed it up since the US Open where he missed a cut, I believe, by one stroke. But prior to the US Open, Sunjay was in just astounding form with six straight events inside the top 40 and four of those inside the top 25. My model obviously is going to like him if I emphasize a lot on around the green and plus putting. So Sanjay has really, really excelled in those two categories all season long. He's plenty long off the tee. He's accurate off the tee. He's good out of bunkers. So really there's not a whole lot that I don't love about Sanjay M this week outside of him withdrawing from the travelers. Doesn't seem like there's anything injury related there. So I will kind of take the number grab as Sanjay M even money now at minus 110 on FanDuel. Do you have any concerns with that number? I don't. And I would like to move us a little bit into a DFS discussion with this regarding Sanjay M. So uh, when I look at the $8,000 section, I don't want to spend too much time on this. There are four golfers for me that are either break even values or positive values when I run it against DraftKings price and ownership percentage. So that would be Sung JM, Joaquin Neiman, Max Homa, and Corey Connors. But Sung JM for DFS, like I'm seeing about 8% right now. He is the most subs- biggest substantial leverage play that I have on the board of anybody until we get down to Justin Rose at 7,900. So I like Sung JM in a lot of markets this week. I think that safety that he provides makes the whole world of sense for a top 40 wager. So I think that's the kind of golfer that you want to be targeting in markets like that. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to get to the window with an outright ticket as well. The only thing I didn't love, I believe his three putt and slow greens just is not elite by any means, but everything else he does, par five scoring, playing in the wind, if the weather does turn up, I think Sanjay is a great fit here in every single market we could talk about. Yeah, and he's not so negative in those statistics that all of a sudden it would raise a massive red flag. Like he's 48th for me in three-putt percentage over a two-year sample size in this field. Uh, That's perfectly acceptable. We see guys go through ebbs and flows all the time with their games. All right, let's go get it, Sanjay. All right, I will keep myself in the top 40 market for my next wager and go with Chris Kirk plus 160 FanDuel plus 150 points bet. I think this is an excellent number on a golfer that continues to do just about everything you would want when we remove his lack of win equity from the equation. The ball striking has been incredible for the past six months, which we see with him gaining off the tee in 15 consecutive starts. And the irons have been nearly as good with him earning strokes in 11 of his last 12 appearances. Kirk isn't necessarily popping off the page for me in any particular category, but I do like the floor we are receiving on a plus 165 wager. I wouldn't say this is my favorite play on the board. I I normally try to find different ways with it, but the plus 160 number is something that I found intriguing with it. Uh, I normally would like to fill out my nine bets with a majority of head-to-head targets. I'm not seeing a ton of value in that market. So for me, I like to switch over into these long shot type top 40 type wagers where I can go there and get my value in that regard with it. But any thoughts on Kirk? I definitely love to hear them. I love Chris Kirk. That is a t- one of the first tickets I punched this week. And the one poor part about his game is usually the putter. He has gained strokes in four straight events putting. So I'm all for Chris Kirk. Just seems to be having a fantastic season. It's good to see him back on the PGA and killing it. So I am all about Chris Kirk this week. Yeah. And the around the green for him, plus the three putt percentage. Like I, I know I'm saying that I'm not necessarily looking at around the green because I believe guys can putt, but It's one of those things that if you feel more comfortable chipping, you can also do that. But he's inside the top 25 in my model in both of those categories. So I think he might have a more natural fit to find success here. 
Absolutely. Kirk is a short game magician. I'm all for it. All right, man. Give us your next play. Next one. I, it's, it's probably like the most talked about play in the market so far this week. Everybody's talking about this guy. He has a DP world tour walking top 10 this season, but is Ryan Fox top 40 minus one Oh five on FanDuel. My model, which does not pull a ton of DP world tour data, for the record, does have him priced at minus 135 here. So he just sneaks in with the 30 points of value. But he is an absolute bomber off the tee. He's a very good player around the green, very good putter. He's literally, I what is it here, seven top 10 finishes or better in his past 10 events. So this guy is just an in incredible form. I'm going to buy the form. The overall course fit that my model seemed to spit out for him and the hottest golfer on the DP World Tour in Ryan Fox. I couldn't get myself on the Ryan Fox. I understand where you're coming from. With it, the it, it, I, I hate to cut you off. It felt bad, too, to eat the juice, like to take even money or shorter than even money on Ryan Fox, a guy that I I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about him. I know a lot of people were talking about him going into the Open last year. I think he disappointed a little bit, too, but I don't know. It didn't feel right. My model did have the 30 points of value, and I was like, all right, if everybody's going to talk about Ryan Fox this week, I will bet him now, and if he does well, I think I'll probably fade at the Open Championship when everybody else plays him, especially and, in DFS. And offshore markets love him this week. That's one of the things I noticed. He's a substantial favorite. <laughs> I think just the whole public loves him. I don't even know if books respect him. It's just they probably get so much action on this guy that they just have to adjust. You mentioned, and it's the same problem that I, you actually have more DP World Tour numbers than I would have on it. Uh, your European database is a lot better than mine with it. But I mean, he's seventh for me in distance. That goes with what you're saying. He's really good in his weighted proximity numbers that I ran from at least distance if we're looking from like 200 plus yards, which is something I put over a 30% weight on when I did my reweighted proximity totals. But where did he rank for you in your model? Overall, he was the highest up there. Let's see. In terms of Eurotubers, let's see here. 17th. So a ton of respect. I mean, that anybody in that price range or anybody that comes in the top 20 is at least uh, minus 135 in the uh, top 40 market. So he sat right in. I mean, he's one spot below Colin Morikawa in my, in my model. And that's like, to me, all right, I, I don't know. I know Colin hasn't had the best of years, but... Yeah, it just seems like a little bit of a landmine of a ticket for me, but I have seen the market go to minus 120, so I did jump on the minus 105 when I could. I'm not going to talk anybody out of it. I will mention that he's 103rd in my model, so uh, there's a lot of negatives from that, but these European tour stats are always kind of tough to get behind with it, and I'm going to respect you, and I'm going to respect the offshore movements a little bit more than some of these numbers that I have, and I mean, because if you look across the board, most of these European guys for me are just tanking in my model. So that's the one positive thing. It's not like you have somebody that's, you know, some glaring, you know, problem and then everybody else looks good. It's like it's just all bad across the board with the Euro players for me. For sure. And if you look at Ryan Fox's ball striking in terms of the DP World Tour, you think he's like the best iron player in the world. But it's like, who is he playing against? So like you've said many times on our other show, like who are they actually gaining strokes against? So these fields that they're playing in aren't that strong this year when I kind of looked at all the like the Horizon Irish Open was nothing to really write home about. BMW International Open wasn't that strong. So seeing he obviously he's playing great golf, like it's still a tee box, a fairway a bunker, a green, and a hole. Like, the game's still the same, but now you're playing against the best players in the world because this is a loaded field at the Scottish Open. So, again, I don't love the ticket, but I had to get on some of the Ryan Fox love before I'm ultimately probably going to pick on him next week, especially if the books respect him this much this week. That is fair. Uh, I will move us into the outright market for hole number six and take Hideki Matsuyama 34-1 to on FanDuel. 
Trust me, I have my concerns with his ability to make putts at a course that will require his fair share to get into the winner's circle. But the early season form has started to flash again. And it's not as if Matsuyama isn't still a prolific birdie maker despite the questionable production with the flat stick. I think that sometimes gets lost in translation because the consensus from the industry is that he's better suited to compete on a challenging test than a shootout, which is valid to a large extent. But we aren't talking about a resume of a golfer that is only winning events at the most difficult courses in the world. Of the eight PGA Tour titles that he has to his name, all have taken place in the double-digit territory, with two entering higher than the 20-under range uh, for those victories. I know the offshore market doesn't love him this week. This is the opposite of what we were talking about with Ryan Fox. But the third-place mark in weighted proximity and fifth-place grade in par-5 scoring is enough for me to take my chances at a respectable price of 34-1. to uh, Nick, I know you like him this week. Uh, I don't know if he made your official card or if you want to mention him right now for hole number seven, but uh, give us your seventh pick. Yeah, no, I'm I'm all about Hideki. He was the first outright I did take. Um, second was Tyrrell Hatton, I guess, which I'll talk about right now, but that number's kind of gone, so I don't know if it, there's a, a whole lot of value there. But Hideki has actually gained strokes putting in his last three events. So like you said, the early season form's coming back. I, I really like him this week. My miles got him proper at 18 to one. I think that's a little too bullish on Hideki, but to see that many points of value on the outright market for Hideki, I just by default had to, had to take the ticket there. But um, my last top 40 ticket then is Callum Taron. Top 40 is plus 270 on points, but this is more of a number grab. My model had him at plus 220. Most of the market actually has him at plus 210. So shorter than my, my numbers there, but it is 50 points of value. Um, so this is more just a price grab. And again, I respect the long hitters a lot this week based on the, the limited data that I did find. It is a short card for me. Um, I believe it's only five units at risk, which is relatively less than what I'm usually playing. But he's one of the longest players on tour, and he's a plus putter, and he's gained strokes around the green in five straight events. I think he's solid out of bunkers as well from the research that I did. So overall, I don't love the ticket, but it's more of a number grab. I mean, if he finishes top 40 and I have half a unit risk on him, he's someone that could really keep my card afloat for the weekend. That's exactly my thought on it, and I'll save it for a little bit later for to go a little bit more in-depth into it. But you pretty much just ran across exactly what I think with Callum Taron in this. It's a number grab at plus 270. He's a golfer that should probably be more in like the plus 175, plus 180 range. So I think you are getting about 100 points of value, which is a very substantial total to talk about here. And uh, before we move on completely and skip by Hideki Matsuyama, I know you said you had him at 18 to 1. How much putting did you put into your model there? Um, Significant amount. It's about 20 22% so I, I know lot. like yeah. his putting numbers are not uh, it's everything I looked at everybody that plays as well here puts the ball very well so I don't know it's it's also recent form too. the fact that he did gain strokes putting in his last three events obviously helped a ton there to push him up a little bit he's not number one in my model by any means I believe he's number six or number seven but the value in the outright market was just enough to, to get me there. And he's someone that could really light up in the wind too. His ball striking is great. If the weather does turn, uh, I like his odds a little bit more in that factor than if it does go to minus 20 or something like that that you mentioned earlier. But I don't know. I didn't love the top of the board. Like I would have loved to take a Scotty ticket, but he's at 12 to one. I think the shortest I went was Will Zalatoris. We'll talk about in a little bit. And that's someone I never bet with either. So Xander was really my favorite play this week, but I didn't have any any value. For those that don't know me, I'm a Xander truther, um, but I could not find anything longer than 18 to one. So I, I think I may see if he gets stuck in the gate early. And if I can get like a 25 or 30 number live, I think that'd probably be my uh, my official bet of the week. 
Did you see that Xander won the Pro-Am just a little bit ago today? Makes perfect sense. So yeah. his number is probably going to shrink even more. He's number one in my model um, as far as Xander goes with that. Hideki is number five across the board for me. And, and one of the reasons why I really liked him is the three-putt percentage. Like the putter is not good, but he's 33rd in three-putt percentage. So if you can get a boost there, that's something that might be able to help him. But I'm going to take a flyer on someone in the outright market that I never seem to get right. And based off of where you have Ryan Fox compared to this guy, I'm going to assume that you do not like this ticket. But I am going to select Colin Morikawa, 26 to 1 on FanDuel. I mentioned for Alex Smalley a few holes ago how the large fescue greens could help him overcome some of the around the green issues. And the same sentiment rings true for Morikawa. He ranks ninth in my model in the reweighted three putt plus slow greens category that I ran. And we kind of keep seeing the same thing with all of these players that the short games have caused this reduction in numbers in par five scoring. I think if Morikawa can hit fairways and put the ball on the putting surface at a higher rate than the rest of the field, something that my numbers do expect out of him with his second place mark in recalculated ball striking, the upside is there for him to make a run at a title. You know, it is, it is a flyer. Like obviously you're not taking a quote unquote flyer on a 26 to one golfer, but I think he's a guy where if he misses the cut or he underperforms, I'm not going to be shocked, but we know his upside is that of being a two-time major winner. We've seen him win at the Open Championship last year. There's a lot to like about him, and I don't think the wins are going to be so over the top that it's going to ruin some of his proximity numbers with the Irons. So I, I like Morikawa this week as somebody that, like, the upside version of my model likes him a lot, so I'm going to trust that more than a safety number when I'm trying to find a winner. Yeah, my only downside there, and you kind of touched on it, is the putting, but I think the slower green should help him, even though he did struggle immensely on these greens last year but other than that he was bad around the green too but his around the green games actually turned around a little bit this year and he's obviously one of the best ball strikers in the world i think it's it's a good risk for that price he is very hit and miss and that's what i like in an outright wager that if he booms we have a chance if he busts so be it like i think 26 to 1 is a good number but uh do you want to round out this opening nine hole stretch for us all right. Um, I will go to the outright market myself. I'm going to go with Will Zalatoris at 28 to 1. My model seems to absolutely love Willie Z this week. He's actually been putting pretty damn well. I know everybody kind of freaks out with his putting stroke when he's within three to five feet, but his ball striking is just elite. He's very long off the tee. He crushes par fives. I like everything about Will Zalatoris. My model's got him at 16 to 1. So right there with Hideki Matsuyama. And you get 28 to 1 right now on the market at, where was it at? On points bet. So that is the best price in the market. What are your thoughts on Will Z? I feel like the whole major story is going to be a thing. And every, I don't know. I just feel like there's no stress. No one's talking about Will Zalatoris this week. I think that this is a course that his game should fit extremely well on. I think there's just with the no pressure and everything like that going into another major, I think his game's where it needs to be. Um, this is probably the first time I've bet. Will Zalatoris too all year long. So I'm just trusting my numbers here that, that he's a great course fit. Proximity is everything looks good there. Is there any concern you have with him? No. So we, we like looking at this from a DFS perspective, we'll start there. There's seven guys in the $9,000 range. And and that's Xander, Cantlay, Morikawa, Zalatoris, Burns, Cameron Smith, Hideki Matsuyama. I kind of like all those guys. And that's what makes this so difficult to try to figure out an outright bet and try to figure out where we're going to put our chips on the table. And for me, it was Matsuyama and Colin Morikawa. I think you certainly could make an argument for Zalatoris and Burns and Cameron Smith. I know markets are really respecting those guys. And and I can understand why, like each one of them ranks inside the top 10 of 
every iteration of how I ran my model. I guess the only thing I would say about Zalatoris, which I wouldn't even necessarily say is a negative because it's not like the putter is even good when we're talking about fast surfaces, but we know that on fast surfaces, I, at least I've heard it out of his mouth before, that he does like that surface more than anything else. So if we're talking about slow fescue where I, I don't know what to expect from him with the putter. Like maybe this is, he doesn't even realize it and this is what he needs to become a better putter. But I don't know, like the uncertainty of that worries me a little bit. But I think as an outright wager, it's the same exact thought process that I'm saying with Morikawa that even though we haven't seen Zalatoris win tournaments before, the upside should be there for him to be able to do so. So if you're taking that sort of a shot, it, it makes sense. Yeah, I think that's really the only market I found value in Zalatoris was on the outright side. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It, it's really difficult pricing across the board too. Like that's the unfortunate thing is that I kind of like the top of the board. I don't like the pricing in the outright sense kind of for the reason you said. For me, my top guy would be John Rahm. The second guy would be Scotty Scheffler. The third guy would be Justin Thomas. But when you're running things in that precise of an order, it makes it more difficult that you're going to get some of these long shot winners. And that's just something that I want to stress that I'm not looking to take a million players that, you know, are 150 to one, like sure. One of them might come in, but I think that there's too many top end guys that my model seems to like. And when that's the case, when one of them, or if one of them brings their a game, it's going to be difficult to beat them for some of these guys lower down on the board. Yeah, absolutely. So normally you would hear Nick and I during the turn when Jason is in studio, but with us already here, let's keep things going into hole number 10. And I'm going to talk about another player, Nick, that I know you do not like this week in Luke List plus 160 for a top 40 on points bet. That is plus 155 on FanDuel. I think we have both reiterated this stance a million times so far. A lot of these wagers are pure number grabs. But List does have the firepower and ball striking to turn Renaissance Club into a bomb and gouge sort of test. I've already alluded to this. I don't necessarily believe that is the ideal way that you have to play the venue, but it's certainly an option that he might be able to take advantage of with his style. List ranks inside the top 25 in the field in proximity from 175 to 200 yards and 200 yards plus, a range that received 53% of my weight when running my recalculated totals. And he's also inside the top five in the field when it comes to distance. As I just said, Nick, I know this is not your favorite play. Um, I want to give you a chance to give you the opposite end of the spectrum here. We always try to cover things both ways because there's a lot of different ways to cut into a pie, but let's hear some of the cons behind lists for you. Really? The only thing is putting. I don't, has he ever gained strokes putting in any of uh, the <laughs> Memorial? He gained strokes putting other than that farmer's insurance, which he won. If he plays like the farmer's insurance. Yeah, he, he could definitely, I mean, that was the best round of golf we've seen Luke list play in years, but I do like your point. He could certainly make this course look very short. He could bomb and gouge it, make a lot of birdies if he's close in the proximities. The only thing that worries me is the putter for sure is one of the worst on tour. Certain guys, and we'll add Zalatoris to this mix, but like Zalatoris, Hideki, List. I mean, there's a slew of other players we could talk about. That's where this stigma becomes attached to them, that they're better on hard courses because you don't need to make as many putts to win when, you know, it's 10 under par, like a guy like Hideki or Zalatoris can use their ball striking. And by using like being the best ball striker in the field for the week, you can be a neutral or even negative putter. And sometimes win these events, like when we're talking about 20 under par type victories, there are concerns that are going to come into play for lists, but I don't know. I really like him. Like I'm willing to ignore that for him a little bit. Like the three putt percentage is not good either. That's the one big problem with it, but I'm just hoping that that prototype of his game can maybe find some sort of an advantage. And, you know, in retrospect, you can kind of say the same thing then about Ryan Fox if for people that like him out there, because 
I don't know if either one of those two guys are necessarily perfect fits. When you look at it, we know that they have the distance to try to find success, but I don't know. As I said, there's a lot of different ways that you can break these things down. And for me, List is somebody that ranked 30th overall. He's 30th for safety. He's 32nd for upside. So he kind of checked all the boxes of what I'm looking for. And at $7,200 on DraftKings and 3% owned, I do think there's some upside that he can give you a top 10 or 20 finish. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, if he can get anything going on the greens, I think he'll have a pretty solid weekend. All right, man, the floor is yours. Lead us into your next wager. Back to the top placement market. I'm going top 20 with probably the hottest golfer in the world right now. Matthew Fitzpatrick, top 20 is even money on Camby Shop. So that is your Bet Rivers, your Barstool, I believe. Um, Twin Spires uses uh, Camby as well. So those three books should all have the same price on Matthew Fitzpatrick at even money to finish top 20. Obviously, he won the U.S. Open, but he literally checks every single box. His ball striking has been amazing. He's gained a ton of distance. We all heard the story a hundred times at the U.S. Open. His around the green short game is awesome. His putting is arguably second to none on tour. Um, two of his last three times at this event, he's finished in the top 15th with a second place finish last year. I think it's just a very safe venue, regardless of the weather. If the weather turns, I think he's even better spot than most of the field. If the weather's calm, the way he's playing right now, I absolutely love. My model's got that priced at minus 135. So 35 points of value there for even money on Matthew Fitzpatrick to finish top 20. It feels like a chalky bet, though. I don't, I don't love it, but I love the player in Matthew Fitzpatrick. I prefer him, I guess, in that sort of a wager. And if we're talking DFS, I prefer him as a cash game play. I, I think when we're looking at this $10,100 price on DraftKings, he is probably the fate of the week for me. And, and that doesn't mean he's not going to, I mean, he might come in 17th place, 15th place, but he's the fourth highest price golfer in the field. And as of right now, he's the number one projected player <laughs> in my model in ownership. Like that's a really bad combination. And on top of that, he has negative trajectory for upside. So like you add those three things together and I'm a little bit worried that he comes in like, you know, 15th place, 17th place. Obviously for you, that would be a good thing. You can still get a win out of it. That'd be perfect. Just keep it right there, Fitz. Nothing, nothing better, nothing worse. And and that's why I'm okay with that sort of a wager. I think it makes sense, but uh, kind of for anything else, I am probably out on Matthew Fitzpatrick this week. Yeah, give me Xander over him, but I'm sure he's going to be just as popular in DFS. If you were to rank, I mean, I guess you're going to take Xander number one, but if you were to rank Xander, Fitzpatrick, Thomas, Rom, and Scheffler, we'll call those the big five this week. Do you have an order? Yeah, it'd be Rom, Scheffler, Thomas, um, Xander, and then Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is number five for me. I'll give the same order. And if really, if we want to get technical with it, like I'd rather take Morikawa, Zalatoris, Burns, Cameron Smith, Hideki, I'd probably rather take every $9,000 golfer than Matthew Fitzpatrick. But yeah, same order for me. Like Rom is my favorite play this week. Um, I think Scheffler is very close behind him, but I don't know. I, I think Xander might, like if you're going to go with a chalky option on DraftKings, give me Xander. Like at the same ownership and the same price tag, I'd rather have Xander than Matthew Fitzpatrick. I think I'm with you for sure. All right. I'm not necessarily convinced that the first round leader market is something that you can win at long term if you don't have <laughs> access to each way betting. But I will provide a handful of options that I liked into one section. Siwoo Kim, 110 to 1 on FanDuel. Mark Leishman, 80 to 1 DraftKings. Harold Varner, the third, 75 to 1 on pretty much any site. That has become a staple to any first round leader card that I put together. Luke List, 100 to 1 FanDuel. If you don't want to play Luke List, this might be the way to do it. Maybe he can get hot for one round. Jason Kokrak, 85 to 1 FanDuel. Justin Rose, 70 to 1 DraftKings. And Joaquin Neiman, 55 to 1 FanDuel. 
I always bet those to win three units. So it's an extremely small risk investment, uh, but it's a market I'm just going to have some fun with this week. You know, Nick, I know you are entirely opposed to being involved in this space. So I'm not going to ask you your thoughts there. I know what you're going to tell me and you are correct with it, but I will have you move us into the 13th hole instead. All right. This is my last play. It is going to be Mark Leishman to win at 100 to 1 on DraftKings. I, I spoke a lot about why I like Leishman in this spot. It's probably burning money on fire, but I did need to get a little bit longer for my outright exposure when I have guys like Tyrrell Hatton, uh, Hideki, Will Zalatoris, and probably Sunjay M, I think, is going to be my next one, depending on the price that I, I look up. But I did leave myself room for about half a unit in anywhere. So it'll probably be. Maybe a quarter unit on Sanjay M, and then I'll leave a quarter for in play. Hopefully, it's Xander that gets stuck in the gate that I could bet later on. But yeah, that's it for me. Is uh, Mark Leishman to win at one hundred to one? So I, I like that also, and and I'm going to piggyback on a lot of the things that you have said recently. And you know, like one of the things I, it's just the nature of the game. Sometimes the plays and the values make sense, and you know, there's a lot of overlapping that takes place. Like, um, are you still? Like, do you still like Hideki Matsuyama at the number? So, like, you know, it's a guy like him that I'm sure you would have mentioned. And there's a lot of players like that that come into play. And I'm just going to piggyback on some of these plays that you've already mentioned. I do like Callum Taron top 40 at plus 270. He's the biggest differential I have in my model in price for a golfer inside the top 50. And I likely prefer this route overall else when it comes to trying to gain exposure to him for any contest. Alex Smalley would be the second biggest difference. That's the other reason why he made my card. There are a few notable names like Harris English that might be holding on to some of his totals because I run things for a longer duration of time. I, you know, I've reached the point on my card where I'm forcing things a little bit here. I do like Mark Leishman. Um, we talked about him already a little bit. I don't want to spend too much more time on this. I do think he's extremely volatile. I, I do believe that the plus 150 number is something that we can look into and can definitely play him that way. Um, as I said, I probably prefer 100 to 1 to win the tournament. Maybe if you have ties paying in full, stretch that into a top 20. But I want to discuss just a few wagers with you very quickly before we let everyone get out of here. I will start with the 65 to 1 bet that you alluded to previously on Terrell Hatton. That number has now moved to 50 to 1. So there's 15 points of value that has been sucked out of that number. But um, do you still have value at 50 to 1? And I guess what do you have a proper price on? Let me ask you that. I have him at 48 to one. So at 50 to one, it'd probably be a pass for me. He is one of the best short game and putting players out there and he does know the course pretty well. But other than that, um, it was just a number grab at 65 to one to have that many points of value on my outright card. I, I always like to get exposure to something like that. Sure. That makes sense. And the other one, I, I mean, just the keep... form's bad too for him. Like he, I know he was good at the PGA and he had the bad turn of the weather too. So if the weather's bad, I think I like his odds a lot more, but if yeah. it's clean, I just don't. I don't really like Tyrrell Hatton in a birdie fest. Well, this isn't a prototypical link style course. I I do think there is some of it that comes into play, but it's not like exactly what you would expect out of a link style test. He is a two-time winner at the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. We know he's one of the better link style golfers in the world. So, you know, if this plays a little bit more linksy than maybe I'm expecting, I guess I don't want to lump you into what my thought is on that, but if it plays a little bit more. So I think that he's a guy that makes a lot of sense and he's probably the biggest mover on the offshore markets. Like that is not books just reacting just for the sake of it. Like he's down to 40 to one at some of the sharper books even. Yeah. He's getting a lot of respect by some, some big time betters that certainly make an impact. And then the last thing I want to mention just before we get off air, Harris English plus two fifty. 
Um, I didn't include him just because the recent form is so bad. I know the 19th place finish at the Travelers was encouraging, but the recent form is still tanking his data across the board. I usually don't mind overlooking recent results since a lot of the prices get baked into that form, but it's always a scarier proposition when you're dealing with someone that was experiencing and is now overcoming a massive injury. Uh, do you have any takeaways on English? No, I mean, I, I love what we saw from him at the Travelers. He seemed to finally get right a little bit. I know they did an interview with him. I listened to He said he's not quite back yet, but I think the exactly. price kind of reflects that too. So if his game does, I mean, that was two weeks ago. So every week helps, I'm sure, when you're recovering from an injury and taking a week off of play last week, I think helps too. So I, I don't know. I, I love the golfer. I love if he's healthy, what his data when he's healthy shows for a course like this is great for him. But um, but you're, you're kind of getting a price too that based in that risk. So I think it's worth it. I think if you made me guess, he's going to miss the cut. And and that's not the answer that you want to be giving. But as you said, it's baked into that number already. He would be, I mean, he'd probably honestly be closer to like plus 110, plus 125 if we had a healthy golfer. So uh, we know all of that is taking into account with what this is right now. But anything else you want to talk about, man, before we let everyone get out of here today, we can rapid fire through anything if you want very quickly. No, I'm good. I just, you know, thanks to Action Network for having us and good luck to everybody this week. I hope everybody enjoys it. But again, for me, it was just more of a a lame card, for lack of better terms, just because yeah. I don't have a ton of data on the course. There's so many good players. There's so many DP World Tour guys that are in excellent form that I just don't know a whole lot about. So I, my red flag would just be, you know, watch your exposure this week unless you really got a good read for the field. I am going to double down on that stance. So my last takeaway for everyone would be just to make sure you don't force cards when the value isn't there. Golf is pretty much a 52-week proposition yearly where there are a plethora of markets to attack. It's one of the reasons why Nick and I don't set a certain number of units that we must get into action. We grab the value where we can find it and we'll be more or less aggressive depending on what the data yields. But that will do it for this week's betting version of Links and Locks. If you aren't doing so already, you can follow me on Twitter at Sports. You can find Nick at Sticks Picks or the two of us together at Better Golf Pod. And please tune into all the shows next week for the robust coverage you will be able to find from not only Nick and myself, but also the entire team over at Action Network for the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Good luck this week with all your bets, and we hope to see you guys again soon. <laughs>